Ah, the 8 o'clock intro that we have grown to love. Uh, Let's bring in the big gun, the big kahuna, on the mark, powered by Booster Juice. Uh, Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download uh, the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. On the mark, Mark Spector joins us every day at 8 o'clock. Speck, how was the weekend, big fella? That was a great weekend. A little bit of football. Watch Babcock situation uh, implode. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Watch that uh, Sunday night game last night turn into a pretty good football game. So all around, had some fun. How about you? Yeah, it was good. Really good. Uh, embarrassed myself on the golf course as usual on a Sunday and then watched a little NFL. So the standard Sunday for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't worry, Lorianne will put your game back together, Kev. I can tell. She's we were al- just talking about that. She's already on it, Spec. Yeah, I know. Well, we'll see you at that tournament tomorrow. See if this uh, <laughs> any of these. You know what? These Olympic people, they always have lots of experience with sports psychologists, so maybe she can pass some of that along to you, Kevin. <laughs> we were talking about that a little earlier. Oh. We'll see how tomorrow goes. We'll see how, yeah. If I can uh, shoot well tomorrow, then she's probably, she might just come in the golf cart with me moving yeah, forward. There you go. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how were you, were you surprised? I always use the phrase, the last time I was surprised uh, was when I found out ice cream cones were hollow. But did you, did this come a little bit uh, out of left field, the whole resignation, if you want to call it that, with uh, Mike Babcock? Where are you at with it? Yeah, it was more sort of like, I guess, worst case scenario. Like we talked on Friday that this, mm-hmm. it was possible going into the weekend that this guy might have to get fired or resign or whatever. Um, you know, and that was worst case scenario for the Blue Jackets. It's not, you know, you can't, you know, Pascal Vincent, he's been touted as a good young coach and, and I'm I'm sure he'll, you know, he's probably do the job, but the the Columbus Blue Jackets wanted Mike Babcock to be their coach this year, mm-hmm. and they hired him to be their coach for this year and the next few. And the fact that he is not throws a massive wrench into the season uh, of an already confused organization. So, um, you know what? This is a first. We've seen guys. I mean, they're going to say he resign. He didn't resign. No. He got fired. He got told to resign. So we've seen hockey coaches lose their job for a myriad of reasons, but never this one. Uh, this is a 2023 reason, and it's, I'm not saying it's not a good one. You can't grab people's cell phones or, or demand that young players pressure them to show you some pictures they may not want to show you. It's not right, and Mike Babcock should have known it. So how do the players move forward with this here, Speck? Oh, coach is gone. You play for the next coach, Lorianne. Like, it's... Yeah. You know, it's a pro business. It's, it's every it's it's training camp, which for me is every man for himself here, you guys. Every young player, sure, they all want to be team players and they're all going to be team players, but for the next month, it's about me getting an NHL contract on my team. So I don't care if my coach is Charlie Brown, right? Who cares? I'm going to camp to earn a job. I'm going to camp to make NHL money, not AHL money. And... If it's Mike Babcock, I'm going to play hard for him. If it's Pascal Vincent, I'm going to play hard for him. And if it's Kevin Carius, I'm going to play hard for him because I'm looking for to make my NHL money and start my NHL career. Mark Spector joins us uh, on the mark every day, 8 o'clock on the Kevin Carius Show with our Monday morning co-host, Lorianne Munzer. Um, 
how much will, and I believe they're speaking to the media today, John Davidson, Yarmo Kekalainen, GM, and uh, President of Hockey Ops in Columbus, how much do they have to wear on this? Oh, tons, Kev, tons. Listen, Mike Babcock was fairly radioactive when they hired him. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason that he he was out of the game. He went to the University of Saskatchewan and coached there for a while. And, you know, this guy's a, at one point was considered a top two or three coach in the National Hockey League. And then he was out of the league, and there's reasons for that. And I'm not going to state them all here. Google it, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you take the step to bring that person back as your head coach, you have to you got to make sure that this doesn't happen. You got to make sure that the guy that you're telling everyone is sort of rehabbed and ready to be an NHL coach again that he really is. So yeah, John Davidson and Yarmo Kekalainen, they let this one slip through the cracks. They 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 look in my eyes, they look unprepared, didn't do their homework, they didn't follow through, and they let Mike Babcock just turn back into Mike Babcock under their watch, and now they're wearing it big time. If I own that team. I'm having a long discussion with Yarmo Kekalainen, and the first question is, what have you accomplished since you've been my GM? And whatever number it is, it starts with a zero. Mm-hmm. And the second question is, you hired this guy and then you let him do this? What are you doing? So, yeah, big, big, big time they're wearing this thing, Kev. Yeah. Um, we're going to have uh, Brian Hedger from uh, the Columbus Dispatch uh, at 820 to follow you up, Spec, but... I look at this, I think it's getting more news north of the border, uh, even uh, outside of Columbus. How much news is this getting in Columbus with, you know, the Browns playing tonight, uh, Ohio State, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, where do you think anyone even cares in Columbus or what? Well, the hockey, the small hockey community does. And it's a good little hockey town. Like, it's a good hockey town, don't get me wrong. That, it, it, they've had a bad team in there since they showed up. What have they won? They've never won a playoff, though they won one playoff series, right? Uh, yeah, remember uh, Torts upset. They beat, uh, yeah. they beat Tampa. So the poor fans there have been underserved. They're good fans. But having said that, the Columbus is one of the smallest markets in terms of in, you know, financial impact on the National Hockey League. So it's a tiny little market. It's in a football town, in a football country. NFL's opening up. The reason we care in Canada is because, A, it's hockey – B, it's Mike Babcock who coached the Leafs. If it was a former Oilers coach, you could take about 40% of the reaction off this thing compared to being a former Leafs coach. That's driving this whole story. Uh, so, yeah, they're not noticing in the States, and, the, and, and Columbus Blue Jackets are happy for that, but that doesn't mitigate the many levels of failure that have occurred here, right? So do you think this is a turning point for the Blue Jackets? Oh my God, Lorianne! It better. Some, when do we get a turning point in Columbus? Well, it's got to be a turning point. Oh, I don't know. Hopefully, like that's you know. Listen, sports is about numbers, folks. Let's look, talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets numbers. Like, when did they join the league? Twenty some years ago. I don't even know what year they joined the league. I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. They've been in the league for over twenty years. They've won one playoff series. And most of the time, they haven't even been close to the playoffs. They've never been a good team. They've had, you know, the Doug McLean era there. Dougie's an awesome guy. That era was a train wreck. Yarmulkek Kekalainen is a smart, 
um, you know, in, intellectual European guy who's, you know, I quite like. I've met him. He's a really smart guy. Accomplished nothing in, in so far in Columbus. So, turning point. It's Something's got to happen, Lorianne. My goodness, how long can you swim along the bottom of the NHL ocean before you finally get to be any good at all? Like, just give me a couple playoff bursts in a row. I'll take it in Columbus. They haven't been any good. So if this is what it takes for a turning point, hell, I'll take it. Hey, Speck, do you think if uh, Biz Nasty, Paul Bissonnette, doesn't say anything about this because he was the he was the guy that broke it. He gets the text from a player. We don't know who the player is. Uh, if he doesn't say anything, does it get swept under the carpet? Well, I don't know. Like, you know, credit to the guy that broke the story, for one. As a guy that's, you know, I'm a guy that spends the last 35 years trying to break stories. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a good day for Bissonnette. He broke that story. Uh, would someone else have broken the story? You know, I don't know. I'll tell you this. There's a whole bunch of journalists that, if they found out about it, would have loved to have broken that story. Yeah. Any inference that Paul Bissonnette is the only one who would have made it public is completely erroneous. I know all kinds of guys who would, hey, we're in the scoops business, man. Give me a scoop like that, oh, I'm all over it. That's why I'm getting paid is to break stories like that. And there's about... 200 Mark Spectres out there would say the same thing. So mm-hmm. credit to Bissonette. It was his story. He broke the story. He gets the W here. Uh, would someone else have broken it, Kev? I can't think that if there's enough players that were affected by this that it wouldn't have come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you watched uh, a ton of football. Did you watch the Mighty Elks on Friday night? Oh, yeah, I did for sure. And, you know, where did the resilience come from, right? This is a team that for nine games, when when they got a kick in the pants, they they couldn't get up off the turf. And in that game, like G-Roy said in your show this morning, they weren't great for the first three quarters, and it wasn't really always going their way, but they hung in, and they, they didn't fall 20 points behind you guys. They fell seven points behind, or maybe 10, and then they quickly got a field goal, and they stayed within striking range. Like, to me... I really like the fact that they were resilient and they won a game where they weren't at their best. And in the fourth quarter, when the chips were on the line, right, the defense pulled their socks up and they made a couple of key stops and the offense got them to the 20-yard line and Trey Ford runs a lovely, yeah. I don't know if that's, if I call that a quarterback draw, guys. or if I that think was so. The, I think, he, yeah, I, I don't know if it's by play. design. I don't know if say it was 100% by design, but, yeah. I mean, you got that's his game. Yeah, like whatever. When the chips are down, the kid delivered, and boom, you're winning by seven, whatever it was, nine points. Then, then the defense comes out, and before Saskatchewan even gets a chance to come back, they, they get the safety that ended the game. So uh, what a... Sometimes winning when you're not at your best is even more positive than beating someone by 40 points. And that's what I saw in Regina the other night. Amanda's not happy with me or you. It calls this incredibly dry radio to our text line, one 833 Thanks, Amanda, for that comment. <laughs> um, Oilers. <laughs> Oilers take on Vancouver today to close out the rookie camp in Penticton 330. So far, split, I guess, or you can call an overtime loss against Calgary at 
a one-pointer if you want to. Uh, but then things get underway here later in the week. So we touched on it too, Spec. I mean, just to kind of get things uh, rolling here. Have you got, um, you know, maybe another that you've thought about it for a couple of days, maybe, a, a, you know, a camp story that you're really kind of focusing on, maybe something else that's kind of come to your mind over the past few days? Uh, you know, it, it's I'm trying to find things, as a, as a guy that's going to have to write every day in this camp, I'm trying to find some things to write about where we don't necessarily know the answer, okay? Mm-hmm. So those are the things that, that intrigue me. You know, I know the answer to, to 85% of this roster. They're going to make the team. You know, I guess I'm asking you, where's Broberg going to play? How much is he going to play? One of the very intriguing stories for me is Brandon Sutter. Yep. You know, the Brandon Sutter in his prime is exactly the fourth line center that this org, that this team needs. Big, you know, six foot three, yep. right shot, wins his faceoffs, can check some. The question is, who's Brandon Sutter today? You know, he's, is he thirty six? I think. Yeah. Thirty five. Yeah. yeah, and is he is he what they had in Nick Bukestead last year? You know, is he what they had in Nick Bukestad? If he is, I'll, I mean, Oilers fans would take it. Nick yeah. Bukestad was pretty good last year. Brandon Sutter is even a harder version to play against than Nick Bukestad's ever been. The only issue with Brandon Sutter is health. Does he have health? If he's got health, I, I'll take him. Uh, if he doesn't have health, he might have a hard time making the team. So that's a big one for me because yeah. that hole. Uh, that hole, that fourth line center hole, if you could push right uh, Derek Ryan to the right wing, have a big, strong right shot sentiment in the middle, I think you got a way better bottom six, folks. And one last one for you, Spec. The Oilers have eight games, once they get going here, uh, eight games in October. What will their record be? And that's the question I'd like to pass to our texters, too, at one 401 What will the Oilers' record be in the month of October Eight games, four at home, four on the road, I believe. Eight games in 13 days, right? Yes, and As we know about one. preseason, the McDavid's and Dry Saddles will play four home games for sure, and they may not play a road game. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking regular to... season, right? So regular season, once the regular season starts oh, 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 on the, oh, on the 11th. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're yeah. talking regular Yeah, I don't care about who okay. cares about exhibition. No one. I'm with you. Okay, yeah. that's different. So. Regular season. Uh, this is a team that's that's already put a huge, huge um, onus on their start. They're mature. Uh, they had a very average. Remember, they started good mm-hmm. 10 games, bad 10 games last year. I think they're going to have a really good start. Okay. I think they're going to win six or first eight. I six think they're going to put their nose down. And okay. I think McDavid is going to make sure that there's no farting around these first 10 games, first 8 games. I give them 6 wins, Kev. All right, Speck, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning and hey, get your golf game ready for tomorrow afternoon as well. Oh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I've, I've been listening here. I've taken in all these lessons. It's <laughs> it's like a good mental vibe. I'm ready to hit some lost stripes and long ones tomorrow. All right. Thanks, uh, Speck. That was on the mark, energized by Booster Juice. You can get the boost you need at booster juice when we come back brian hedger columbus dispatch we'll talk a little more mike babcock kevin carey show with Ann munzer on sports 1440 all right welcome back to the big program 822 in the capital region looking for a high of about 16 degrees today um, time for our headliner 
of the day brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped to talk sports radio and the fact that it is back for all your plumbing needs. Go to mrrooter.ca as we bring in Brian Hedger from the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, Brian, welcome to the big program. How are things in Ohio? Uh, very good. I just uh, entered Ohio, re-entered Ohio. I was driving back from the... Uh, the Blue Jackets prospect yeah. camp up there in uh, way up there in Traverse City, Michigan. So if I cut out, it's be we're going to blame Ohio, rural Ohio, <laughs> not having good cell service. Oh, cool! Uh, we'll get to that prospects, and uh, I guess in particular Adam Fantilli, how he's been looking for the prospects. But as you know, uh, the big story in uh, Jackets land is Mike Babcock. Uh, how did you see all of this playing out since it broke last week, uh, and where it ended up yesterday? Well, I mean, from a, uh, a reporter's standpoint of view, you know, when you're a beat reporter, you're covering the team. You know, when, when the allegations and the, or the accusations came out uh, with Paul Bizanet, uh on that podcast, uh, I mean, it, it, you immediately start thinking, like, you, you, you know, this is a guy, Mike Babcock, who, you know, it's been well reported, you know, about things in his past that would make you go, when you hear this, go, oh, my, like, this, this could be something big. And then, you know, you'd check with the team and uh, initial indications. They pushed back initially. The team, that has to be noted. They, they pushed back, and, uh, you know, they ended up re- releasing statements from Mike Babcock and Boone Jenner, uh, who was mentioned on the podcast by name. And both of them pushed back saying, you know, that they had no problem uh, with, you know, Mike Babcock requesting to see some photos or, you know, family photos, that kind of thing. Johnny Gaudreau said the same thing in, in Vegas, you know, so you're, you're taking note of that. Uh, you know, uh, Jack Wierenski on Wednesday said the same thing. So, you know, all these players start coming out one by one. And then by Thursday, you know, actually we, we ended up going up to Traverse City on Wednesday. So by Thursday uh, of last week, you know, Things started to change a little bit just in that, you know, it was like, oh, the NHLPA is actually flying its top two executives, you know, straight to Columbus right away. That, that made your ears kind of poke out there a little bit like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And then by Friday, there's starting to be reports that, you know, potentially if something that way, you know, something has changed within those 48 hours. So, you know, you go all the way to Sunday. I mean, by the time this happened Sunday, I got to tell you, um, I was expecting either they were going to fire Mike, Mike Babcock or he would resign. It would be one of the two. I just didn't see how this mm-hmm. team could go forward. Um, you know, with some of the things that were that were coming and and uh, you know being told to the, the PA and others. Uh, so it wasn't a big surprise by Sunday, but it, it sure was quite a whirlwind week. I'll say that. Yeah, Brian Hedger from the uh, Columbus Dispatch is uh, driving back from uh, the big prospects uh, tournament with the Blue Jackets. Uh, he's our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with Laurie Ann Munzer. I'm going to pass you off to Laurie Ann, uh, Brian, a, a former Olympic gold medalist. She's our Monday morning co-host, won the 2004 uh, gold medal in Athens in sprint cycling and uh, now is a mindset coach, and she's kind of got one for you, Brian. Okay. The hi Brian. The players' reaction—you you touched on it. How do they move forward in this kind of a storm? This is a great question, and this is one that I plan to ask here. <laughs> when, uh, they're going to have a media. They're having a media luncheon yeah. uh, in Columbus today that was already pre-planned, and that, that was the other thing. We're, 
has reported looking at this one. It's one or the other, right? So, um, but you know, that's a great question because, uh, you know, as it has been reported as well, um, and, and this includes my own reporting. Um, I had a source tell me on uh, Friday, actually Friday night, that, uh, and, and I think Elliot Friedman, I know Elliot Friedman also heard like strikingly similar reports from multiple people that either a young player or players, multiple, there was, a, but there was an account of at least one young player away from Nationwide Arena in Columbus. I'm guessing it's probably at coffee or dinner or something with Mike, Mike Babcock trying to get it to know him. Uh, but you know, somehow Mike Babcock in this version of things uh, ends up with the player's phone in his hand for mm-hmm. several minutes and, and the player was feeling uncomfortable with this and as anybody would go up to anybody on the street you know yeah. go up to the people you barely know at work and be like hey can i see your phone hey can i go see your phone i mean the incident reaction is gonna be like are you kidding no um so it's kind of you know like when you hear those kind of stories and it's a young player that's diametrically opposite from what we were told from the older players right. you know so there's a, there's a couple options here you know one is did the, did the older players, the veterans, did he, did they get different treatment? You know, was, was, was there a little more, um, you know, uh, nuance? Mm-hmm. Hey, give me your phone. Yeah. You know, I need to see what kind of person you are. You know, like, it, 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 we need to know, did that happen? We may never find that out, but the team needs to figure that out because there could be a monumental divide. If, let's just say, I mean, I'm, if it's like, we're saying young players, okay, I'll name three of them that are real important to this team. Adam Fantilli, Cole Sillinger, Kent Johnson. You know, I mean, the, the list yeah. goes on. This is a team that has a lot of young players, and if they had a different experience than the veterans, and the veterans wanted to play for Mike Babcock, and now he's gone, do you have a problem there? So, yeah, I think that needs to be asked today, and, and I do plan to ask that. So that's a great question. I wish I had a better answer for you. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, Brian Hedger, Columbus uh, Dispatch, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with our Monday morning co-host, Lorianne Munzer. Uh, I'm sure you've uh, run into Frank Cervelli uh, in your uh, travels and in your uh, covering of uh, hockey in the, in the United States. Uh, uh, Frank is a Tuesday and Thursday guest on our show, and he's come out with an article on Daily Faceoff that was just kind of released uh, about 15, 20 minutes ago. It says... Uh, with Mike Babcock gone, why isn't Jarmo Kekalainen following him out the door? So I'll pose that to you, Brian. Uh, uh, Frank's take is basically when will the sword fall on GM Jarmo Kekalainen? Uh, he botched the Babcock hire, didn't have his players' backs, and has one playoff series win in 10 years. That comes from our Frank Cervelli. Uh, so what is your reaction to Frank's take on that, Brian? Yeah, I've heard of this Cerebelli guy. Yeah. No, um, you know, <laughs> I hope you detect my uh, sarcasm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love, love Frank. Yeah, yeah. He's a great dude. Um, but, but, oh, so but listen, that's a question that, you know, Frank is now asking, you know, on his site. Fans, ever since this have come out, are like, you know, same exact thing. One thing I will say uh, on this matter is, uh, you know, it, and if, I guess when you're the GM, uh it is going to fall on you, but they also do. They do also have a president of hockey operations who technically yep. is above the GM. And you know, I don't ever hear his name out there as well. John Davidson is. You know what? Like, I, I think fans are are just like, hey, you know, Yarmo's been here forever. He needs to go. And I think I think there are some people who are just kind of looking for a reason for him to go. Uh, that said, um, you know, 
it was 79 days ago that Mike Babcock, uh, I was actually driving to a press conference for Mike Babcock being hired <laughs> at uh, Nationwide Arena, right? Yep. And, you know, everything is, oh, it's changed in university and this and that. And then here we are, you know, less than three months later, and he's gone, and there's all these speculations. So when you add that up, yeah, I can see why people are saying, well, you know, whoever in a million years would think this is a good idea, now we know what we know. I mean, on what planet was this a good decision to hire him, mm-hmm. you know, to hire Mike Babcock, right? And and I will say, uh, I mean, that was a team decision, so I don't I don't think it's fair to put it all on Yarmo. But at the same time, uh, Yarmo was the, you know, he went out there and, and he trumpeted the, you know, the, the hire just like John Davidson did. They both talked about how great it was and how he was, you know, re- mm-hmm. reformed and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it, it does, they're going to have some tough questions to answer. Yeah, for sure. Um, Brian Hedger's our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with uh, Lorianne Munzer. And, um you said you were in, on the weekend uh, in, in Traverse City for the um, uh, prospects uh, kind of tournament. We've got one going on here with the Oilers and the Jets and the Canucks and the Flames. Uh, how did that one go for the Blue Jackets? And in particular, I think a lot of uh, our listeners are kind of uh, wondering about Adam Fantilli and his how his camp is going and how he looks. Is he Is he going to make this team coming out of camp, do you think? Well, you know, uh, the, the night that they drafted Adam Fantilli uh, there in Nashville, you know, Yarmo Kekalainen told us that night he's an NHL player. He's okay. going to be on our NHL team. He will make the team. I mean, so, like, we were, we've, we've gone in, think, you know, kind of just under the assumption that, you know, Adam Fantilli right away is an NHL player. So the bigger question would be, our biggest question would be, you know, where does he slide into the, the lineup? Are they going to give him a shot to be center? I would think for sure that that's going to be the case. He is a natural center. Um, so which line then? You know, mm-hmm. does he jump right in the middle of the top line with line A and, you know, either Boone Jenner or Goudreau or someone on the top, or, or does he start in the second or third? I think that's going to be something that we, we follow very closely here. Uh, camp, the medicals start on uh, Wednesday. They, they actually get on the ice on Thursday with new head coach uh, Pascal Vincent. Uh Listen, as far as the prospects tournament goes, I mean, <laughs> Adam Fantilli couldn't have been much better. Um, mm-hmm. The first game against the Red Wings, he had two assists. Um, you know, almost had about – he could have had, a, like, a, a hat trick. He missed goals by, like, a matter of inches or hit the post, and he was mad about it. And then the second game, he did have a hat trick and uh, added two more assists for five points. So he ended up with seven points in two games. They sat him the third game. Yeah. But, I mean, especially that second game, he play, they played against the Red Wings. And um, it was absolutely dominant. I, I should say, correct myself, the first game was against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. second game was against the Red Wings, and it was just absolutely dominant. They, they fell behind. They kind of got off to a bit of a slow start as far as score goes. They were down 3 nothing near the end of the first period. And, you know, they're on a power play. The Blue Jackets get a power play, and Denton Matejuk, uh, who also looked phenomenal in that tournament. He, you know, gets the puck over in the neutral zone to uh, Adam Fantilli. Fantilli carries in, and it's like one on four. And he just goes straight at him. And, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 the guy kind of gets a look on his face like, you know what, we need a goal. I'm just going to score a goal here. And he, like, stick handles around three guys and backhands it to the opposite side, you know, under the under the bar. And everyone, wow. in, the, everyone in the building, like mostly Red Wings fans, are like, whoa. 
there were like, there were like Red Wings fans standing next to me going, "Oh yeah, that guy's going to be a problem." Huh. You know, uh, he he is a really really talented player. I would expect him to to really uh, to hit the ground running. You know, this year he is he is he's legit, and uh, you know he's everything. He, it, as the uh, Trent Vogelhuber, the Cleveland Monsters coach, was running the bench, and as he put it. Um, he is as advertised, you know, mm-hmm. like he, there's a lot been said about him and he lived up to it. The Jackets as a whole, um, I guess my biggest takeaway from the prospects tournament about them, uh, and this is a big bright side for them to a very dark week, um, is that they're absolutely loaded. They are loaded in the pipeline. They have all kinds of guys coming who can score goals, who can play defense, who can get through the neutral zone, you know, all that stuff. Um, they're coming, and, and they've already got a team that, you know, I know everyone writes them off right away. Yeah. They still have Line A, they still have Goudreau, they're going to have Fantilli now. Dillinger was good, really good as an 18-year-old two years ago, Ken Johnson. The list goes on. So, you got to find the right coach, right? <laughs> and uh, obviously, they thought they, had, they thought they had one, and now he's gone, and uh, it, it's Patsy Vincent's show, and, and to be honest with you, people are going to write him off, too. But I know from the last couple of years that I worked with Pascal Vincent, it's, you know, from my standpoint as a reporter, um, he's very well spoken, and you know he's got a he's got a really impressive resume at the at the lower levels. He just hasn't had a shot, you know, to be an NHL coach mm-hmm. yet, and I, I think that he's got a bright future. So we'll see. I think a lot of people were even shocked that uh, you know Mike Babcock was hired in the first place with this team being in a younger team and uh, and and things like that. A couple quick ones, uh, maybe just uh, can you touch on you know the defense for the Jackets, bringing in a couple guys, you know, from. Uh, Damon Severson and Ivan Provorov, and then what's going on with Zach Wierenski to start the season? Yeah, well, you know, this is interesting because um, you know I I don't think this has ever been put out there publicly because I don't I, I, I mean this was Yarmo making these trades, but this sure the, the the trades that we're talking about, you know, you're adding like you said, Damon Severson, Ivan Provorov, those guys, those are two. You know, veteran players that are, I mean, they're in their prime right now. They're defensive. This is exactly what they needed. It is exactly what they needed. They really struggled last year on defense because they're too young. And, and they're also too injured. But too young especially. And uh, these guys come in and they and they really help it out right away. And that's... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, Babcock is the kind of guy who's like, yeah, I'll have a young team, but... Uh, I want some veterans in yeah. there. That, that's the way I took those two trades. I don't have any proof of that, that he you know, had any hand in, in either of those deals, but it sure kind of meshed uh, with the with the hiring of Mike Babcock. But I, I think those two guys come in, and from yeah. a hockey standpoint, uh, there, was a, there was some big-time pushback among fans about Provorov because of his stance, you know, not wanting to wear the, the pride jersey and all that stuff. Uh, it's kind of a big deal to... If, a pretty large number of fans in uh, Columbus, believe it or not. And, um, you know, so there was a little pushback there. But on the ice, you want to just keep it on the ice. Uh, I mean, he's a really good defenseman. I know he, he went through some bumps in the road the last couple of years. But um, he comes in here. He's look, he's hungry, looking to prove himself again. Uh, Severson, I've liked him for a number of years now. We're a big right-handed defenseman. They, they really believe bring uh, they solidify the defense. And then you talk about Zach. Uh, Wierenski, you know, the guy scored 20 goals in mm-hmm. the NHL as a defenseman before. He's, he is very talented, but the last time he really, really stood out uh, offensively was 
put Seth Jones as his defense partner. Well, there's a reason for that. Seth Jones is very good, mm-hmm. but Seth Jones was also very willing to kind of let Zach become essentially a fourth forward a lot of times in that in that uh, attacking zone. And, uh, you know, when Seth leaves, they've never really found that perfect match for Zach, um, you know, since he left. And so yeah. I think the eventual hope is that David Yurichek, uh, who's a rookie still, uh, drafted 2022 sixth overall. They're they're hoping that he can kind of be that 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 uh, Seth Jones type of presence eventually. I don't know if it's right away, but they're going to have to find that that kind of a person that that can help Zach, you know, bring out the top offensive stuff in his game because it, it's still in there. Mm-hmm. He just got to stay healthy and, and kind of you know get some uh, consistency himself on the, within that pairing. Ryan, thanks uh, so much for your time. Drive safe, and uh, are you going to get back in time for this big uh, news conference? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> that's what the, the way the way Zap is telling me. I'm I'm right on time. So Beautiful. All right. Well, uh, All right. good luck today. I'm sure you got a lot of questions for uh, Kekalainen and Davidson, and uh, I'm sure I'm not sure what the answers are going to be, but it'll be interesting to listen to. Yeah, we're going to have to get on the four check. Yeah. Um, thanks, uh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's uh, Brian Hedger from the Columbus Dispatch, our Mr. Rooter headliner. There's a reason they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. More on the Kevin Carey Show with Monday morning co-host Lorianne Munzer on Sports 1440 right after the break. There's B.A., the Duke's go-to guy, Brian Adams. Uh, hey, thanks to uh, Brett with one T coming into the text line at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. After Amanda said it was incredibly dry radio. Sorry, Amanda, this is the best segment every morning. <laughs> so Brett with one T. Hey, did uh, so? Did you? Brett Hart was on Friday with Gregor. Uh, after you, because you came on at about three o'clock, right? And then Brett Hart. So a lot of comments about that interview. And I mean, we've had tremendous guests in the first two weeks, but. Um, it was a neat interview. I don't know if, if you caught a little bit about it, or I mean, but a lot of a lot of comments about it. Did, were you, did you ever watch Stampede Wrestling or anything like that growing up, or any WWE or F or whatever? It was? I watched a little bit of the WWF did you? in Toronto. There oh. wasn't a whole lot of the West telecasted yeah. out there, <laughs> so I remember Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giants. We had a mechanic come over one day, help my dad out, and uh, he said he was on WWF, so we happened to tune on the TV, and sure enough, there he was, getting slammed around. (laughs) So, any other wrestlers that you kind of were like, man, this is crazy. It is crazy stuff, and it's just escalated, and it's bigger and bigger and bigger. It is. It's massive... Massive. Uh, Well, I mean, I was a stampede wrestling guy growing up. I mean, that's all it was. And I mean, you had, you know, Ed Whalen. And uh, when Ed Whalen, like he used to be the Flames play-by-play guy, but I didn't know that because all I just saw him was on stampede wrestling. He never got those channels back then. Yep. So when I got to Calgary and like, you know, I was like, Ed Whalen's a play-by-play guy for the Flames? You got to be kidding. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But I mean, he was, you know, synonymous. Here's a quick story. So uh, the neighbor across the street, his name was Danny, and I was going to phone in on Friday and tell Gregor to ask Bret Hart this because I'm sure uh, he would have been able to tell him. Danny Babyface Wolowski was his name. He passed away a long time ago, probably over 20 years ago. His wife was Faye, and she's passed on too now. Danny used to wrestle with Stu Hart, Bret's dad, yeah. in, even before Stampede Wrestling started, you know. 
But uh, Faye, when when uh, Danny died at the funeral, said that they were they were on the road on a road trip, and their car spinned in uh, spun into the ditch, and it was raining, and the tires were slick, and they couldn't get it out. So, in Faye's words, so uh, Danny and uh, Stu Hart were on the front, and the Thompson twins were on the back, and they lifted the car out of the ditch instead of pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to move it. Yeah, holy so, cow. pretty cool stuff. Well, just an everyday training session for those right? guys. You know, yes, it's part of the road trip, yeah. and it goes a little sideways. Yeah. Do you miss training? Do you miss like, I mean. When you were training at the peak, I mean, how many hours a day and and do you miss that grind? Well, it was never a grind. Mm -hmm. Um, The constant staple was I worked eight till four, Monday to Friday. So I was in the gym before. I was in the gym around 5.15, 5.30 every day, except Mondays. And then I would train after work. So it was anywhere between four to six Mm -hmm. to seven hours. And it's like a recipe. It was actually really, really great. And the part that I miss the most is the planning mm-hmm. of just, hey, that's all you have to focus on. Yeah. And it was actually really simple. It was a lot of fun because you, you, you knew exactly where you were, where you needed to be, how long it was going to be. And then you could really focus and, and just go out and blast out the reps. So when you put your plan together, was it a weekly plan? How, how many days in advance? And then like, you know, did you have to say, well, this is what I'm going to do away from the track and in the weight room, et cetera. How did that work? Well, starting off, we work in what's called macro and micro cycle. So you work with the big picture and then you work with the little picture. So the big picture is four to six weeks. Usually it was six week segments. So mm-hmm. you'd have a month visioned out. And then the micro cycles are the weekly plan so what you're doing every day that's broken down into daily. So that is where you started. And you knew when you were in the gym, you knew where you, when you were on the track, when it was time for stretching, um, your day off. And the one day off that I had, I went to work. So it kind of wasn't rest mm-hmm. full on, but it was. And then if you wanted to do something social, which was Monday nights, that's where you go to the movies. Yeah. Um, you knew exactly when you could put that in and fill it in. So it was pretty much your life is scheduled out. Um, we pose this question to our uh, listeners, and you can uh, send a response into one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. What uh, in an eight game segment that the Oilers will start off in the regular season in October? They have eight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Uh, do our listeners think that the Oilers' record will be after eight games? Mark Spector said six and two. So, as a mindset coach, do you would you recommend breaking the season down into segments? I know a lot of coaches break it down in ten game segments because it's you know roughly eighty games. Mm-hmm. Um, or what are the the benefits of that when you look at the big picture to the small picture to game to game? Well, I think you do have to break it down because then it doesn't seem so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't seem so far off in the future. It's a lot more tangible and it makes it real because then you can work on the little things that will add up over a period of time, right? It's it's about doing, I call it the three L's of Lorianne. Do a little bit, lots of time over a long period of time. And that's how you win anything Mm -hmm. and everything. And when you break it down like that, it makes it easier to take your focus so that you're not distracted. You're not all over the place. 
and you're just really moving into the smaller segments. I would work it into, if it's four games or eight games, I would be looking at it, what does the month look like? Where are the games? Where are the practices? And then break it into, pair it up, maybe two weeks at a time or four games or six games. Did you use the three L's um, when you were, uh, you know, an elite athlete or did you come across this later? I did it as an athlete without realizing what it was. And then when I was asked to articulate it, it was, well, how do you set yourself up for success? Well, all you have to do is today. That's it. You can't worry about tomorrow's game or the weekend game coming up Mm -hmm. or Friday's game. You got to do what you got to do today. So what is the one thing that you really want to get done? And it's breaking it down into little things. Your daily habits are going to carry you throughout the week. So it's, what are you doing consistently? And then it becomes, are you consistently consistent? Are you persevering? Are you dedicated? Mm -hmm. Are you committed? Are you all in? Consistently consistent. I thought that rolled off quite well, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. We should ask Amanda. It might've been a little dry for Amanda. (laughs) We'll figure that out. Um, So the Oilers schedule, again, eight games in October. Mm -hmm. Vancouver, Vancouver, and then uh, uh, on the road, then at home. Then, you know, it's kind of like a dinky little road trip. I just hate these ones. It's two games all the way to Nashville and Philadelphia for two games. It's sort of one of those, like, you know, you're going, that's a long way, time zones, blah, blah, blah. But at least uh, there's two days off between their home game with Vancouver and the first game uh, in Nashville. But then uh, the Jets are here. Then they've got Minnesota, one gamer, and then uh, two against uh, uh, the Rangers and Calgary at home. First Battle of Alberta, which is the outdoor game. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of wrapping up the month of October on... Such a high note. Players are so excited to play that outdoor game. So it's at Commonwealth Stadium. It's a five o'clock puck drop. So again, what would you say to not look too far ahead to that game? You still got a lot of work to do before that. Well, there's the answer right there is you treat every game like that game, the outdoor game. It's just what can you do to get better and better and better? What do you need to shift? What do you need to release, let go of? What do you need to bring back more of? Where are you looking? Where are your sights set? And it's just, what can I do 1% better? Hmm. Um, also, a big day today, Professional Women's Hockey League. Yes. We've got the draft. So you're yes. pretty excited about this. I am. Uh, I think a lot of people are. Why are you so excited about it? Oh, there's a couple of reasons. Professional Women's Hockey League, mm-hmm. boom, right there. Howie Draper. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Going to New York. I mean, oh my gosh, Edmontonian. I mean, this is the start. And what I really liked about what I was reading with the, the press releases on the weekend is, you know, we're not here for a short time. We're not here for a long time. We're here to be permanent. And I've got lots of questions I'd love to ask Howie is just, you know, this is the start. This is something it's going to start in January. Oh, today is mm-hmm. draft pick. How cool draft is this? This, this? this this is a day in history. It really is. How tough of a decision do you think that would have been for a guy like Howie Draper to make this call? Um, you can't have more of a comfortable life, lifestyle. 
You've been at the helm of the most uh, successful, prestigious women's hockey program in Canada. Eight national titles, 14 Canada West championships. You know, what goes through a guy's mind to make a decision like this? I think that was a split decision. This is an opportunity that presented itself. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity that is coming his way. And I'm not surprised the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. You got to say yes to stuff like this. This is changing the landscape. Um, So how does he, does he coach differently? Do you think? Then he's been coaching at the university level. Um, do coaches, when they move on, like let's just say you're a junior coach, which technically you can say that that's what he's been, you know, and you move on to the NHL, do you coach differently? Does you have, uh, do you have to go with what worked for you? So what is his mindset? He, I mean, he's saying now it's a different level. These players are professional. It's, you're, you're, it's their job now. He doesn't have to worry about saying, um, how was your class today? Did you, you know, did you write a, a nice yeah. exam? It's different for him. So how does he change in his mindset? It is different, but it isn't different. What got him here, he's going to have to take it up and bring his game. There's going to be a lot mm-hmm. more thinking. There's going to be a lot more visioning. It, it comes down to thinking. And, and that is literally the game changer with athletics, with coaching, what you're thinking is going to drive your results. If you don't like the results, you're going to have to change it. But to what? And this is where it becomes an inside game versus an outside game. You can't be thinking Mm -hmm. too far down because you're going to lose track of it. It's got to come from within. So the questions for him is what does he need to do to have this succeed and winning is a decision. Success is a decision and it comes from the inside and it's building everything around you and then going out and doing it. We'll see if this works for me tomorrow on the golf course. Okay. (laughs) It better. Well, (laughs) in athletics, it, it, it comes first from your mind and it happens. Everything happens twice. Um, Rexall Place, mm. Rogers Place, the Oilers bringing the team here, um, the camps, they were first ideas. So mm. it's, you think about it, you create it, and then you bring it out. I'm going to end up wearing all that stuff Kevin Costner had on his head in Tin Cup, like all those things. Give me another ball. Oh, Give me another no. ball. Maybe we should go to the uh, the greens this morning later, <laughs> we'll this go, afternoon. Sure, sounds good. Lorianne Munzer, thanks so much, uh, our Monday morning guest. Well, job, uh, job well done again today, and uh, we'll see you next Monday. You bet. Uh, Top of the hour, we'll check in with a lot of texts. We've got a couple coming in. Uh, yes, uh, on Trey Fix-Wilansky, we'll talk about that. But first, uh, here's a sports update with the Duke.